Well, it's all about energy today. Joe Biden has announced that he's going to dip into the strategic reserves every day for the next six months to counter what he's calling Putin's price hike at the pump. And Putin is demanding oil and gas is paid for in rubles from today. Although it's not quite as much as an ultimatum as it might sound. Uh, We'll spend some time talking about commodities today. Plus, China's PMIs, not so crash hot. And non-farm payrolls tonight, where the focus might be more on wage inflation than the job numbers themselves. It's Friday, the 1st of April, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, another volatile day with the US dollar up 0.6% today after falling for a couple of days this week. The euro is down a little over 0.8%. The yen has gained a little. The Aussie is down 0.3%. Not much optimism in the equity markets either on what has been uh, the last day of the quarter. At close in the US, the Dow, S&P 500 and NASDAQ all down around 1.5% or so. In Europe, the DAX down 1.3%. The Eurostox 50 down 1.4%. Bond yields are falling everywhere, it seems, down three basis points for 10-year treasuries. In Germany, 10-year bonds are down 10 basis points. And we've got similar levels uh, across much of Europe as well. And big falls in oil. Brent down 4.9%. WTI down 6.4% this morning. Now, if you were to uh, draw a trend line from December for Brent and ignore the couple of peaks we've seen this March, we're pretty much back on that upward trend. So we shouldn't get too excited about oil being down today. That's certainly not the direction generally, although it is curious. Let's start on this uh, with NAB's Ken Crompton in Sydney. Uh, a newbie on on the morning call. Welcome, Ken. Uh, big falls in oil. Uh, we've got a rise in natural gas, uh, and we've got two bits of news. I mean, Vladimir Putin uh, concreting in his demand to be paid in rubles. I'm not really quite sure what the repercussions of that are. Uh, he said uh, he will continue to honour existing contracts. So maybe it's uh, anybody wanting to uh, set up a new contract. I suspect there's not too much of that going on at the moment. And then Joe Biden dipping into in, into his reserves. So um, you'd imagine they'd be pulling oil in each direction. But it seems like Joe Biden uh, has had the biggest impact here, which is why WTI particularly is down so much. Yes, yeah, correct. There's been quite a lot of uh, volatility in um, in oil markets off the back of off the back of this news over the past 24 hours or so um i mean sort of contrasting headlines overnight to to some extent um sort of initially saying mm. that the the deadline for ruble payments for for um russian russian energy exports was coming um but then of course we've seen um you know the the Italians and the um and, and the Germans I think both confirming that they've got agreements to to continue paying in uh, in euros or dollars so a bit a bit of a contrast there um presumably a bit of a storm in a teacup perhaps I mean I love the fact that by, that Putin said uh, he didn't want to ruin his business reputation <laughs> so Vladimir Putin is hanging on to his reputation somehow uh, but maybe that is uh, maybe maybe that one will blow over but the, the the Biden story one million barrels of oil a day for six months to try and soften the blow over there a wartime bridge he called it while he tries to ramp up production uh, i mean so two things here I and mean, one is that this this implies that this unrest in ukraine is going to continue for six months so at least that's what he's planning uh, and then the other question is uh, a million barrels a day is it enough i mean particularly considering you know we'd sort of assume we were going to have five hundred thousand barrels a day from iran and it looks like that deal's probably not going to be reached uh, so is it enough really to have any impact at all on oil prices well, clearly there has been a short-term impact, obviously, with um, with those sort of d- decent mm. moves down in, in WTI, especially over the past 24 hours that you noted. I mean, 
um, yeah, one million one million barrels a day out of a out of a market of um, you know sort of nearly nearly a hundred. I mean, in percentage terms, it doesn't sound much, but I think what is interesting is the commitment. I guess it sort of shows to uh, for this to be a, a little bit of a longer term play. So um, you know, the, the, these drawdowns are going to are going to be baked in for for six months. So it, it's not um, it's not sort of making one off. Um, yeah, what one-off releases like we've seen, so yeah, it does sort of indicate there is maybe a bit of a, a bit of a longer-term game at play that um, there is sort of longer-term strategic planning going on, um, and I mean I guess you can sort of see that as well with what the um, with, with what the Germans and uh, and the Italians announced yesterday with regards to their preparations or you know sort of very early stages of planning for. Um, you know, for, for for rationing of uh, of energy or, or particularly gas, should it become necessary? So there's sort of a, a a longer run commitment being displayed here by the by, by the Europeans or the US or, or I guess the West in general. That um, you know, even though we have seen some some sort of headlines out of the UK over, over the weekend that um, sanctions could ease if um, if there is some sort of resolution to the to the war on the ground in the short term. Um, these moves would tend to show that um, there is going to be longer term factors at play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody. I mean, you'll be open, an enormous optimism to think that we're going to find a short term resolution. And meanwhile, OPEC plus. Mm. Not moving at all, are they? You know, with four hundred and thirty-two thousand extra barrels a day from May, no extra production before that. I guess if you look at who the members are of OPEC Plus, that's that's hardly surprising. And one of them, obviously, is the Saudis. Not at all happy uh, about uh, the US's stance on on not selling arms for them to fight the war in Yemen. So uh, yeah, just sticking with Plan A. So that's no help at all. Yeah, that. that- that's correct. Yeah, obviously, not too many of the uh, the, the OPEC plus members would be um, necessarily be hugely on side with with sort of the Western position here. So, um, you know, they they are still sticking with that plan to gradually increase supply, but um, you know, it, it's not really going to sort of make a, a huge dent in, um, in 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 the demand deficit caused by the boycott of, of Russian supplies. All right, uh, Europe's inflation. We had uh, those uh, surprise numbers yesterday. What about the the wash up from that? We had uh, the worst of it was Germany and Spain uh, overnight. France and Italy, we had their inflation numbers not so bad. We get the Europe-wide numbers uh, later on today as well. Uh, but France's producer prices, I mean, they're up, still up 22.4% year on year. It's an interesting challenge for the uh, for the ECB, isn't it? Because they do want to do all of this gradually. But they've got these in, this, this inflation uh, figure uh, getting higher and higher. Uh, it, uh, what direction are they going to take? Well, I mean, we've started to see a sort of a continued um, continued pivot from the from the ECB. Um, yeah, obviously, I guess like central banks everywhere, you know, the the, the breakout of inflation this year has, um, has has definitely caught them by surprise. Um, so it, it is a very difficult balancing act that that, that they're facing. Um, the numbers out last night probably weren't um, weren't quite as um, a big an overshoot of forecasts as what we saw out of Germany the previous night. But um, you know, but even so, you know, we're looking at the um, at the overall European measures or not, you know, uh, consensus forecast there is you know six point seven percent. That that's a massive number for a, for a bank that um, you know has been running you know negative rates for um, you know for the for the better part of the past decade. Yeah. Pivot um, is definitely know. the word, isn't it? And look, you know, and, and you know the worst is yet to come, isn't it? Because I mean the numbers like German retail sales, uh, you know, that's still holding up seven percent year on year in in February. UK GDP is growing at 6.6%, but we know, you know, energy prices are going to make this worse. So in the UK from today, the energy cap, which is, uh, you know, sort of like trying to keep prices within uh, affordability, uh, they've gone up £693 on average in the UK. That is a 50% increase 
on average for people's energy bills. So, uh, you know, it's hard to see that all of this isn't going to lead to more of a slowdown across Europe, isn't it? Agreed, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and those sort of numbers you're talking about are sort of very difficult to relate to for, um, you know, for, for Australians mm. where our energy prices are, <laughs> are, are pretty much entirely sort of largely um, disconnected from, um, from, from some of the factors you're you're seeing over there at this point. So, I mean, interestingly, you know, the BOE is the one bank that is, um, you know, sort of more aggressively, um, you know, sort of floating the idea that, you know, obviously they have started hiking and they do anticipate doing a little bit more, but they're the ones, you know, sort of most most aggressively flagging the the risks, um, you know, sort of to the downside, sort of beyond the beyond the very short term, um, you know, and um, you know, if, if you look at what rate markets are pricing. Um, Interest rate markets were have been relatively quick to pick up on that signal from the BOE, and you're now starting to see you know, curves from nearly every other bank start to follow the, the same path. That um, you know, interest rate projections are falling away from mid next year, presumably, as some of these factors do start to bite, and we get through this. Um, we can sort of maybe get through some of the supply side shocks that were existing before, and I guess maybe focus more on the. Um, more, more, more on the energy, um, the, the energy. Yeah, equation. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and hope and hope that that goes away. But you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not in a hurry. If we're we're thinking we need to uh, work on reserves for six months. Look, those exactly. lockdowns, yeah. those lockdowns that we saw in China, um, they have had an impact. Um, Dave was talking it down yesterday that the PMIs might not fall too much because you know the the lockdowns hadn't been for any significant period, but they did fall below fifty. So we are in contraction territory, and COVID cases still going up, particularly in Shanghai. So how quickly will this bounce back and uh, is this going to be a sign of ongoing weakness for China and uh, and is this accounting for why we've got a bit of a weakness in the Aussie dollar as well today? Yeah, certainly the the, the PMIs um, did, did paint a, a pretty grim outlook for China yesterday. So you know we've gone below fifty on on both manufacturing and, and non manufacturing as you as you said. I mean particularly non manufacturing that was down to you know, about forty eight point four, I think. Um, yeah, so you can see some signs there of um, sort of government support, I suppose. Um, yeah, the construction activity index did expand, and that that was already rel- well into ex- expansive territories. So that's up at fifty eight now. So one. Um, a clear interpretation of that is probably that there is some sort of infrastructure spending going on, probably, you know, sort of government or, or local government funded. So there is some effort being made there. But certainly, you know, with the way that, um, you know, sort of COVID is being managed in China, without change, without further change to, to, to those policies, um, yeah, the, the, the outlook there is, is pretty weak. And I mean, I think these PMIs do sort of sort of throw into even sort of sharper contrast the decision back in mid-month, you know, not to move, um, you know, sort of not 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 to move financing rates. That that decision came, um, you know, it was, was sort of followed up by the February activity data, which was much stronger than expected. But I guess um, yeah, maybe that was possibly the officials were sort of hoping that, that that would sort of forestall a bit of a move but I think you'd have to argue with, with this PMI mm. um, weakening now. Yeah, uh, whatever they're doing, it's not working the way they wanted it to. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get the Kikes and PMI today which sort of is, is a slightly different measure but that, but that will uh, that will provide some further, um, further detail as well but I think um, it does sort of reveal the balancing act. I mean, yeah, China has sort of massive sort of CPI and PPI inflation as does all these other countries we've talked about so um, you know, sort of aggressively stimulating into that isn't going to be ideal either. So, um, so that, it, that, that's that's a really difficult balancing act there. And I, and I think um, in terms of the Aussie weakness yesterday, um, yeah, certainly the, the Aussie did 
did did sort of drop around the time the data was released. So, mm, yeah. I mean, we've sort of recovered since then. Though. Right. All right. Now, US data last night, very quickly, because there was a lot of it. We had, I mean, personal growth, uh, spending growth was was a lot lower than expected, just 0.2% month on month for February. Initial jobless claims, they nudged up a little to 202,000 last week. Uh, but core PCE, 5.4%. Uh, which was actually, I think, a bit lower than expected, but it's still up from 5.2% in January. It's the highest it's been since February 1982. So, look, the, the Fed isn't going to be cooling down its rhetoric anytime soon, is it, on the, on, the, on this basis? No, definitely not. I mean, the, the PCE measure does, um, at a headline level, does does appear lower than CPI. I mean, that's just due to some measurement factors, mostly, um, you know, rents, which have been a massive driver of CPI inflation in the US. Rents don't come into the, into the PCE. So that, that's sort of one factor that, that drives a bit of a wedge between them. But obviously over time you know the, the correlation and trends are pretty strong so um yeah so certainly yeah there's sort of no room for, for for backing off from the fed there i mean but i mean like um i guess like like most inflation measures i mean so there is sort of a, a pretty broad consensus amongst economists that a lot of those pressures are are, are going to ease um i guess you know sort of obviously tempered by um by sort of energy and oil factors going forward, though. Yeah, and it is pushing that, still pushing that front end of the curve, isn't it, in yields? So the 210 inversion we talked about, uh, however brief it was yesterday, I mean, today the spread is only three basis points. I mean, it's not going to take much for it to happen again, is it? No, I think that 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 curve is is going to sort of continue to flirt around around zero. So you you sort of continue to see a lot of uh, a lot of headlines and discussion around this um you know the the recession signal that that is going to send. One thing that that the way that we're sort of arguing in, in our rates research though is that I um, mean you know, if you look at the real yield curve, um, sort of twos tens um, inflation linked bond real yield curve, that is still very steep, uh, much steeper than the much steeper than the nominal curve. So. Um, so rather than sort of seeing the the sort of flat two tens nominal curve as a as a screaming recession signal, um, yeah, we'd sort of tend to emphasise that um, you know if um, if real yields uh, have a strong upward slope, that does sort of indicate strengthening growth growth prospects in terms of market pricing. And I mean, maybe the very flat real yield curve just reflects the fact that there's an awful lot of inflation at the moment, and short term bond investors are, are finally starting to, to to demand a bit a bit of compensation for that. I mean, having said that, forward real yield curves are, are flat too, so they they are priced to flatten. But um, but I think that should probably temper some overinterpretation of that signal. Right, and there's a there's a sign that we're going to see through all of this. Well, let's hope so. Anyway, so look, the uh, let's look at uh, on the home front. The value of uh, Aussie home loans today they will rise presumably. We we saw the figures out yesterday that private sector credit rose, uh, building permits month on month. Uh, at 43.5%, just one month, of course, uh, so we, we can't take that in isolation. But as Dave was saying yesterday, uh, you know, that, that that might be really good, but look, good luck trying to find a builder, uh, an affordable one anyway. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you, we'll, we'll, I mean, certainly the, certainly the direction is up, but uh, it's, it's going to be hindered by supply chain difficulties, in, including building supplies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, certainly from, from anecdotes that we're hearing, you know, you'd be sort of constantly hearing of, uh, of massive cost increases coming through um, in building materials and the building sector in general. And you're right, um, if finding a builder, even one to build with the very expensive materials that are available is uh, is, is very difficult. Um, so, I mean, in yeah, we, we do expect those uh, those home loan figures today to show continued expansion. I mean, there is sort of a growing awareness um, out there that, um, that the interest rates are going up. So, 
um, you know, only that is starting to, to temper demand a little bit, um, but certainly not, not, not to a huge extent at this point. And uh, the ANZ Consumer Confidence Survey for New Zealand today, uh, core inflation for, as we've already talked about, for, uh, for the euro area, the flash number. Uh, but of course, the, it's non-farm payrolls tonight as well. Probably less interest in the actual job numbers themselves, more interest given all this inflation talk on, on average hourly earnings. Yeah, um, that number, the, the average hourly earnings number in the payrolls report last month came out sort of unexpectedly at flat. So sort of after sort of posting, you know, 0.5, 0.6 month on month increases for, for the bulk of the, the past year. So I think um, yeah, the, the general general assumption there seems to be there was a bit of a statistical anomaly going on. So that, that's going to be closely watched. I mean, you know, to the extent that the the Fed is sort of thinking about its inflation mandate versus its uh, versus its the, the unemployment component of its mandate at the moment, um, you know, maybe it's not hugely significant um, in the context of where inflation is running at the moment. But certainly, it is going to be a, an interesting data point to watch and watch it. We will. That's it for now. Thanks, Ken. Cheers. Thank you, Phil. And that's it. That's the morning call for this Friday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again on Monday morning. See you then. <laughs> 